Welcome to Morning Soap. At Fusion Church, our desire is that every believer would not just attend church, but also hear from God daily through His Word. As we read the Bible, we begin to see how God responds to things. Doing daily devotions repatterns the way we think, transforms the spirit of our mind, and helps us become more like Jesus. Join us here, Monday through Friday, as various pastors and leaders at Fusion Church share devotion and teaching through that day's soap scripture. Download the current soap reading plan at fusionchurch.cc soap. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much, Lord God, for this time together. Thank you, God, for another day, another week. God, we get to walk in purpose. We get to walk on purpose for your kingdom. Thank you, God, that we get to come together right now and just dig into your word. Thank you for the love and the beauty and the wisdom and the truth of your word, God. I pray now open our hearts and minds, eyes and ears to what you want to speak to each of us this morning, God. Let not be, not, let not be my words, but your words. Your Holy Spirit that speaks to your people this morning, God. More of you, less of ourselves. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so we're going to dig in this morning to 2 Samuel 20. I'm in the New International Version, if you want to read along. Um, previously on Soap, da-da-da, um, we read about Absalom, right? King David's son, who failed in his rebellion against his father, King David. Um, and King David's mourning his, his son's loss um, and his death. And then, after that period, he returns to Jerusalem, but to mixed reviews and some division between the ten tribes of northern Israel and Judah. And the two tribes are fighting over who is more loyal and more honoring to King David. But it actually leads to more division in the process. So that's where we're jumping into this morning with 2 Samuel 20. Uh, the headline, the title in the New International Version is Sheba Rebels Against David. Verse 1. Now a troublemaker named Sheba, son of Bikri, a Benjamite, happened to be there. He sounded the trumpet and shouted, we have no share in David, no part in Jesse's son. Every man to his tent, Israel. So all the men of Israel deserted David to follow Sheba, son of Bichri. But the men of Judah stayed by their king all the way from the Jordan to Jerusalem. When David returned to his palace in Jerusalem, he took the ten concubines he had left to take care of the palace and put them in the house under guard. He, pro he provided for them, but had no sexual relations with them. They were kept in confinement until the day of their death, living as widows. Then the king said to Amasa, Summon the men of Judah to come to me within three days and be here yourself. But when Amasa went to summon Judah, he took longer than the time the king had set for him. David said to Abishai, Now Sheba son of Bikri will do us more harm than Absalom did. Take your master's men and pursue him, where he will find fortified cities and escape from us. So Joab, and the Kethrathites and the Pelethites and all the mighty warriors went out under the command of Abishai. They marched out from Jerusalem to pursue Sheba, son of Bichri. While they were at the great rock in Gibeon, Amasa came to meet them. Joab was wearing his military tunic, strapped it over at his waist was a belt with a dagger in its sheath. As he stepped forward, it dropped out of his sheath. Joab said to Amasa, How are you, my brother? And Joab took Amasa by the beard with his right hand to kiss him. Amasa was not on his guard against the dagger in Joab's hand, and Joab plunged it into his belly, and his intestines spilled out on the ground. 
Without being stabbed again, Amasa died. Then Joab and his brother Abishai pursued Sheba, son of Bichri. One of Joab's men stood beside Amasa and said, Whoever favors Joab, and whoever is for David, let him follow Joab. Amasa lay wallowing in his blood in the middle of the road, and the men saw that all the troops came to a halt there. When he realized that everyone who came up to Amasa stopped, he dragged him from the road into a field and threw a garment over him. After Amasa had been removed from the road, everyone went on with Joab to pursue Sheba, son of Bichri. Sheba passed through all the tribes of Israel to Abel, to Abel, Beth, Maka, and through the entire region of the Bichrites, who gathered together and followed him. All the troops with Joab came and besieged Sheba in Abel, Beth, Maka. He built a siege ramp up to the city and stood against the outer fortifications. While they were battering the wall to bring it down, a wise woman called from the city, Listen, listen, tell Joab to come here so I can speak to him. He went toward her, and she asked, Are you Joab? I am, he answered. She said, Listen to what your servant has to say. I'm listening, he said. She continued, Long ago they used to say, Get your answer at Abel. And that settled it. We are the peaceful and faithful in Israel. You are trying to destroy a city that is a mother in Israel. Why do you want to swallow up the Lord's inheritance? Far be it from me, Joab replied. Far be it from me to swallow up or destroy. That is not the case. A man in Sheba, son of Bichri, from the hill country of Ephraim, has lifted up his hand against the king, against David. Hand over this one man, and I'll withdraw from the city. The woman said to Joab, his head will be thrown to you from the wall. Then the woman went to all the people with her wise advice, and they cut off the head of Sheba, son of Bichri, and threw it to Joab. So he sounded the trumpet, his men dispersed from the city, each returning to his home. And Joab went back to the king in Jerusalem. Verse 23. Joab was over Israel's entire army. Benaniah, son of Jehoiada, was over the Kethrodite. Kerithites and Pelethites. Adoniram was in charge of forced labor. Jehoshaphat, son of Alud, was recorder. Shiva was secretary. Zadok and Abathar were priests. And Ira, the Jairite, was David's priest. Amen to God's word. All right, so last to dig into here. Um, it sounds, it sounds like a horror movie, right? Some of these parts, like a Halloween movie or some kind of like scary, you know, thriller pick, right? Um, we're going to dig into this because the Bible is so good. There's so much, even in the midst of things that seem so out of place in God's word, we know that things in God's word for a reason, right? Everything has a place in God's word because it's God's word. So we're going to dig into this and just dive in, right? All right, so um, verse one, a troublemaker named Sheba, son of Bikri, Benjamite is in the midst of all this going on, right? So David's coming from a, a season, a situation where he had it was running for his life from his own son, you know? So there, there's fear, there's anxiety in David's life. And then he's um, his son in the midst of all this rebellion is killed. So coming from fear and anxiety, now it's a place of grief, right? And so David's just going through it. We all have the season, we just go through it sometimes, right? And then, in the midst of all this, in the midst of David trying to go back to Jerusalem and trying to bring healing, bring restoration, 
bring unity back to his people, bring peace back to his people, what happens? There's always that one guy in our life, right? That one person, that one family member, one coworker, right? Who, you know, we're trying to get our life back together. We're trying to heal. We're trying to, you know, go in what God has for us. That one person has tried to speak negativity back into our life, right? Just against God's best for our life, right? Once Sheba is in the situation for David, you know, he's taking advantage of David's weakened position, both mentally and physically, right? He's weak. He's He's had a long season, a hard season, right? So, he, so Sheba is coming in the situation, trying to take advantage of the, of the situation, right? You know, seeing what David's gone through and saying, well, I can I can do better. I can stand up. I can be a person who, you know, if David can't do it, I can do it. Um, and the reality is, whether you're facing um, mental battles, emotional battles, spiritual warfare, even physical illness this morning, right? Um, we can't let our guard down, you know, just because we see victory or or restoration or we're making positive steps in one area of our life doesn't mean everything is going to be 100 percent easy. You know, just because we get one aspect of our, our finances on, t- on track to make our family life is going to be perfect again. You know, if I get my you know, if I get my my friendships back in order, my marriage is falling apart. Well, then, you know, there's always some kind of spiritual battle going on around us. Right. So keeping your guard up, keeping, you know, staying spiritually engaged, staying, you know, mentally and emotionally on top of your situation, on top of your own health in all kinds of ways, it's so crucial, right? And we see too, you know, this response by Sheba um, is really, really telling. You know, in the previous chapter, in chapter 19, um, they're going through and towards the end of the chapter and they're saying, oh, David, you know, he's so, we're honoring David, you know. They say, then we have 10 shares in the king. They're saying, oh, you know, we have the northern tribes, we have the 10 tribes, we have 10 shares in King David. They're staying behind him all the way, you know. And then what's the next, the very next verse is, in verse 20, you have no share in David, no part in Jesse's son, you know. And so if you've ever been betrayed, if you ever felt like no one's for you, everyone's against you, if you ever felt like one minute you have support, next minute you don't, you're not alone. David felt the same way, you know, and seeing how this, you know, this, this reaction from Sheba and from these, these men of Israel, it just shows, you know, that their loyalty was not what they said it was, you know, they're like, oh, we're for you. We have 10 shares. They're giving all the support to make themselves look better to the men from Judah. But when you get down to it, they're like, oh, we have no share. You know, it's just showing the shallowness of their support. And, you know, as we go through the Bible, we see, we can kind of see com- some um, comparisons between King David and Jesus, right? Old Testament to New Testament, you know, and we talk about how Jesus is in the lineage of King David, right? And so, again, King David was human. He's not perfect. He's not the, a perfect example of Jesus. And yet we still see those comparisons between his life and Jesus's life, right? Because the same exact thing happened to Jesus, you know, on Palm Sunday, saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, we have you know, 10 shares in in King Jesus to Friday, crucify him, right? We have no share in this King Jesus. And we're seeing how, you know, just seeing how that's played out in the Bible is, again, so beautiful in God's word, you know? Seeing how, again, we're seeing how David goes going through the same levels of betrayal and hurt that Jesus went through and that we go through in our lives, amen? And so, being aware of who is around you in a situation or in a season 
We are feeling weak, whether it's mentally, emotionally, even spiritually, right? Maybe even physically. Being aware of who's around you in those situations or those seasons to lift you up and to be a voice that supports you is so crucial. Like, please, 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 if you're going through a season, bring people around you. Have people around you to pray for you, to talk life and speak life into you, you know? Don't let people, like, don't have a Sheba in your life just sitting there trying to cause chaos, trying to cause division, right? No one needs that in their life. Life is too hard and too short to have Shebas in your life, right? You need to find those people, those men of Judah, who will be loyal in your own life and protect you and raise you up. And not take advantage of you. Because that's what, what Sheba was doing, right? He was trying, he saw his way into a situation to gain power, to gain control, to, to further cause hurt, right? That's, not what you, that's what you need in your life. You need to have men or women of Judah who will come beside you and, and lift you up and protect you and cover you in prayer and speak words of, of wisdom and encouragement into your life. Amen. Not trying to take advantage of you, not trying to have division or divisiveness or whatever it is, distraction in your life. And we see, again, comparisons between King David, Old Testament, Jesus, New Testament. When Sheba is going through his his campaign of rebellion, there's three principles that he is trying to pull out in this these cases, right? In these first a couple of verses. Um, he says, We have no share in David, where he's denying the sovereignty of King David, saying that he has no right to rule, he has no right to um, have have uh, influence or power over these 10 tribes. He calls him the son of Jesse, which, okay, he is the son of Jesse. That's not, you know, it's not, what's wrong with that? Um, but he's devaluing the identity of of David, saying, oh, he's, he's the son of Jesse. Remember, because Jesse was a, a humble farmer. He wasn't anyone of power or authority in his own, you know, his own um, generation. So he's trying to act on and emphasize David's humble beginning, saying, oh, he's he's just Jesse's son. He's just, and maybe he's the youngest son, right? Who's just, he's just a little boy. He's just a shepherd family. He's, he's no authority. He's no royal blood in him, right? And he even, he, the third thing he says is every man to his tents. He's saying he's deciding to go his own way and drawing others to go that wrong way with him. He's, he's literally pulling people away back away from from fighting on the front lines with David. He's, he's making other people see his low opinion of David and pulling him back into his opinion. So, you know, not, not letting him form their own opinions, right? Trying to pull them away himself. So those, those three things, right? Just denying the sovereignty of David, uh, devaluing the identity of David, and um, <clears throat> just uh, pulling away from David. There's three things, right? And so we're sitting here like, wow, Sheba, you're a jerk. Like, wow, how how could you ever let someone do that? How could you ever let, you know, how could you ever let someone like like a Sheba close to David or close to myself, right? How can we ever see someone like this rebelling in the Bible, you know? But before we we judge and reflect on, on Sheba and King David, remember, David's also a reflection of Jesus, right? So how have we rebelled against our king? Application point for number one today. How have we rebelled against our king? How have we been a Sheba to our King Jesus? Have we denied Jesus' sovereignty in our life? Have we denied those areas his right to rule in our areas of our life? Right? Have we been like like Sheba and have we devalued his identity or our own identity as a child of God? Have we said, oh no, we're 
he's he's just right there on Sundays or oh I'm just I'm I'm not I'm just the son of you know son of my sins daughter of my sins I'm stuck in this I'm not I'm not the son of a king or daughter of a king how we decided to go go our own way like Sheba did how we decided to go our own way at the risk of disobedience or even calling others to division around us so again see the comparisons between King David and King Jesus they're there right that example he's he's setting for, for us now even and so when we look at those comparisons we look at the situations around those you know around King David around Jesus those same situations are going on in our own lives right because it re- history repeats itself you know there's was that saying there's nothing new under the sun you have the same situations that, that King David dealt with that Jesus dealt with that we deal with we find ourselves caught up in right that's where the Bible is so rich because we can go into the Bible and find whatever situation you're going through and find what happened, find the consequences, find the, the way out, the victory, right? And that's why we say, you know, we stress reading the Bible so, so much because the Bible is the blueprint for your life, you know? So if you're feeling like you're being betrayed, here's how, here's how you can work through it. If you catch yourself and feel that like conviction, not shame, but conviction of the Holy Spirit, that, oh, maybe, maybe I'm getting caught up in this. Maybe I'm letting other people, you know, hurt me or betray me or lead me astray. Here's how I get back from that, you know? And we, you know, we read in Ephesians 4, um, Paul says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you are called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. The reality is we as humans, we as, you know, sinful, you know, misguided people from the fall, we have a tendency in us to cause division, to cause labeling and breaking apart, right? Say, oh, you're this or not that. Oh, I'm with her. I'm with him. Not for him or her, right? But the spirit of unity brings peace, you know? And that's, and we don't make unity in the spirit. We keep unity in the spirit. Amen. The Holy Spirit's job is, is peace is is unity is bring the kingdom of god together but humans in our own you know prideful ways sinful ways whatever you want to call it try and pull that apart right and that's how we need to come together and walk in the spirit pray for guidance from the spirit to keep walking in peace walking in unity and not being a sheba right being someone who who thinks and acts and speaks like king david to bring peace and wholeness and restoration in situations, in relationships, in our families, in our workplaces, right? So all the things, and, and really imitating the men of Judah, you know? The men of Judah in this in this, this situation, the ones who are being loyal, you know? Again, just like King David, King Jesus, being loyal, you know, to, to Jesus in the situations, right? Being like the men of Judah and showing our loyalty despite, you know, 10 people, 10 tribes, 10 you know, pers- that whole percentage of culture trying to to call us away, to mock us, to say, oh, you, we have no share in Jesus. We have no share in the gospel. We have no share in you know, what God's trying to do in my life, in your life, in, in the world. Like, no, that's not what we're meant to be. How we're meant to act and speak, you know? We're supposed to be loyal to our king. And we see the blessing that co- and the victory that comes as we're loyal to the king, you know, going as we continue on. So, Continuing on, uh, quick pit stop in verse three. 
Um, when David returned to his palace in Jerusalem, he took the ten concubines, those who had he had left behind to take care of the palace, and who had then been violated, been um, sexually uh, attacked by um, his son Absalom. And he ended up keeping them. He provided for them, but had no sexual relations with them. They were kept in confinement till the day of their death, living as widows. And we see here the consequences of sin, right? All of David's sexual sins from before, from chapters and chapters ago, right? And having all these concubines, having, you know, extramarital affairs and relationships and extra wives that God did not condone. Again, David was, we can see the comparison to Jesus, but he's not Jesus. He's not perfect. He's not a perfect king. He made sins. And because of those sins, those generational sins, those generational sexual sins in his own family lineage from himself and his son Absalom, his Absalom's actions, we're seeing in this this one verse, the generational sin that brings hurt and isolation and grief, not just to David, but to his, his the women around him, right? And again, David's, you know, David's a king that has has a heart, right? She could he could have done whatever he wanted with these women, you know? Because even though they were um taken by force by Absalom, but in the Bible, those times things were still, you know, a lot of black and white words. If something happens to you, you're done. Like that's it, you know? And so having David still having wanted to care for them and that put them out, you know, he he didn't he didn't kill them, he didn't do anything to hurt them. He kept them, but Part of it is he can no longer face them. After realizing his own sin and his son's sins, he couldn't face his concubines anymore. He had had that revelation from God of what he did or what was wrong, and he put that sin behind him, right? As well, he also didn't want others to see his sin because, you know, the shame and the guilt and the condemnation that he felt, when other people could put back on him at seeing these past, you know, the women from his past and remembering what Absalom did to them, was going to cause more division, more hurt, more um, bringing those things up. He doesn't need to remember, right? We all have the sins in our lives. We want to look at it again. We want to think about it. We want to go back to, right? And so part of it is just we need to be able to, to go back amongst ourselves and to put them behind us, you know, and, and really leave them behind us. Not Not go back. Not say, oh, I'll put it away for a little bit, and I'll come back to it. Be done with that sin. Amen. Verse 4. Continuing on. Um, King David says to Amasa, summon the men, and we're going to go after Sheba. We're going to go into, uh, we're going to chase him down and get, get there, right? And so Amasa was actually with the general and the army under Absalom. So in this, this moment, David's actually taking steps to have compromise and bring unity and peace from his military forces. He's like, well, I, I had, you know, I, it was Joab before. Joab was in charge. He's trying to bring, you know, trying to put the two sides together. So let's we'll bring Amasa into the situation and have him lead the men. However, um, it says in verse 5, he took longer than the time the king had set for him. He had three days to get here, and he didn't get together. So lesson here, when God gives you an assignment, fulfill it in a timely manner. All right. Otherwise, the King David in the situation or King Jesus finds someone else to accomplish his plans if you're not being obedient. You know, God's not going to sit there with TikTok, TikTok and put, you know, and like to the second, he says, hey, daughter, hey, son, go talk to the coworker. Hey, daughter, hey, son, go get baptized. 
Go serve on a team. Go join a connect group. Go take those next steps, right? If he's going to encourage you to do something, he's gonna, he'll give you a window of time to do it. But if you're not going to accomplish it, if you're not going to, you know, take that next step in faith to serve or to speak or to do whatever or to lead, whatever it is, he'll find somebody else. You know, God's kingdom is is here to get built up. He's he's not going to wait. He's not going to sit there and like, oh, well, when you feel like it. No, it's it means now, right? I was that saying about um, uh, delayed obedience is still disobedience. Amen. That's what we're seeing here from Amasa. So at this point, especially with David, he knew the time was crucial because the longer he let um, he let Sheba go, the more rebellion was going to get stirred up, right? So, he, so in the end, he's like, well, he's he's too much. He's taking too long. So he puts it under Abishai to go and lead the men. So you have Abishai and then Joab is, is the man on the ground making this happen to face Sheba and go after him. So in verse eight, Amasa makes the party. He's like, oh, you know, he's, he came to meet them. He, he, he didn't want to miss out. He didn't want to lead. He didn't do his job. He still wanted to be part of what's going on, right? And so Joab, Joab approaches Amasa with a, you know, trying to be a friend. You know, he's, he's taking his, his beard, his right hand. It's a sign of, of friendship. Again, his, I remember back then it was right-handed too, remember? So if you're taking someone taking someone's hand to shake your hand or to hold their beard in a brotherly way with your right hand, it shows you defenseless, right? He even drops his dagger from its sheath as in, oh, you know, he's he's making himself look like he's defenseless. He's innocent, right? But then sneak attack, up with his other hand, comes another another dagger. And verse 10, Amasa was not on guard, was not on his guard against the dagger in Joab's hand. So no dagger in the sheath, but the sneak attack, right? Again, this is like, you know, fall, Halloween, thriller, horror movie level stuff, right? And so it's, you know, it says how he plunged into his belly, his intestines spilled on the ground. He's making a scene. Like this is this is not like a nice cut and dry, like putting no, he's he's making himself a scene. And the reality is, even though he's acting out of concern for Moss's intentions and loyalty to David, at this point, he's not sure what Moss is thinking. He's not sure what's going what's going on, and the reality is that sin does not condone or cover up for sin. Even if Amasa's loyalty is in question, even if he was being being disobedient, right? The, uh, Amasa, uh, Joab's sin is not going to cover up Amasa's sin. Say, oh well, he was just being disobedient. He was just being disloyal, so I had put it into him. No, not how this happens. And really, if you go back to First uh, Samuel eleven, if you remember, Joab was the one who was commanded to deal with Uriah the Hittite. And so right here, it's you know, we're seeing the progression of sin and the progression in this guy loyalty in this, in this man, right? It's poor, you know, because back in 1 Samuel 11, it was David's thoughts and David's hand that led to sin and led Job to commit the sin, right? Of, of pouring Uriah on the front lines and having him killed. But now, nine chapters later, Joab is having his own sin, his own thoughts, and his own hand in action for this for murder, right? So we need to be aware of our sins, how our sins impact and mislead others. Because again, David was doing his own thing, and he had he had Joab be the puppet, right? He said, "Hey, go go sin for me." But now Joab's the point. Joab's sitting by himself. He's not asking David. He didn't say, "David, should I?" No, he just went ahead and did it. And he's thinking he's doing David a favor. He's thinking he's going to be the hero here, and yet he's causing his own sin, which is not going to help cover up someone else's sin, All right? Joab's sin is Joab's sin. Amasa's sin is Amasa's. 
Davidson is David's, but right now, Joab's in charge of Joab. You are res- ridiculously responsible for yourself. Amen. Like Pastor Brennan always says. So application application question here. Are there any thoughts or sins that I've allowed in my mind or my heart because of someone else? Is there someone I'm I'm looking to or someone who's letting me be controlled by that's causing my own heart, or my own mind to sin? Verse 11. Uh, we're seeing verse 11 through 13. Um, the aftermath of this, right? Amasa is on the ground in the middle of the road, dying, covered in blood. Um, and when the men are coming up to him, they're stopping. They're getting, they're like, what just happened? You know, and they're full, you know, it's confusion. It's fear. It's, it's all these different feelings coming from these men. Right. And so what does Joab do? When he realizes that everyone who came up to Amasa stopped, he dragged him from the road into a field and threw a garment over him. But the reality is church, you can't just cover up your sin. Okay. Joab is here literally covering up his sin thinking, oh, it's okay. But there's still a price to pay, you know. And Joab's he's using his influence to show that there's there's some people who are loyal to David. He's saying, you know, they're saying, who who favors Joab? Whoever is for David, let him follow Joab. Like you're trying to get ride the guys back up, trying to distract and say, hey guys, let's go. It's it's okay. But the reality is, your sin was right there. You can't cover it up. The reality is, your sin will come back and find you. You know. And since we're continuing on. Uh, verse 14, Sheba, or our rebellious guy here, he's hiding in this uh, this village, this town of Abel Beth Maka. She's there, and they know he's there. So the men of Joab go and besiege the city, and they're cutting off the city, you know, they're trying to destroy the wall, trying to batter it down, and they're causing all this destruction. All these people in the city are going to be are hurting. Because of what Sheba's doing. Because Sheba snuck in there and was trying to keep himself safe. So what happens in verse 16, a wise woman called from the city. Listen, listen, tell Joab to come here so I can speak to him. So this wise woman who's not named, because again, women can have, you know, enough, enough to get named and um, enough attention or enough notoriety uh, in the time, right? Months, and so um, she knew enough. She had I haven't missed this April 15th. Oh, you did it every day? Uh, she's coming in here preventing innocent people from getting hurt. Right? She's coming into the situation to speak um, truth and speak peace. And not let one man's rebellion or divisiveness hurt the rest of her people, right? So verse 17 through 22, we hear that conversation, how it went down. You know, she says, um, don't don't hurt us. You know, somewhere up, don't hurt us. Um, we are God's people. We are God's inheritance. We're God's city. So we'll give you, we'll give you this man. His head will be thrown to you from the wall. And he went and he did that. And the, the, the people in the city followed her advice. They cut off his head, tossed over the wall, and Joab and the men left. Right? Unity and peace again. So the first application question we have in this last section is, who is that wise person who needs to speak into our life before we let the sins and divisive actions of others cause us or others around us harm? Or who can you be a wise woman to and speak truth and peace and unity and partnership with God's plans in someone else's life? Again, because she didn't have to speak up. You know, she was she was of so little regard. Her name's not even mentioned in the Bible, right? 
but she had the courage and the boldness and the wisdom to speak up and say something. And she saved her city. She saved her people. So don't be afraid to be bold and speak up and say something. You know, let the Holy Spirit guide you with wisdom and encouragement. And and go and save people. Go and bring unity and peace where it's needed. Amen. And it doesn't say how they track Sheba down. That, that part's not in the Bible. It just, it just shows they track him down. They, they killed him, right? And the reality is our rebellion and our attacks against God and his people through our disobedience, through causing division, through causing distraction and, you know, destruction will always find us and destroy us. Because God will destroy the person before he destroys the people. You know, God didn't let the entire city perish. He let Sheba perish. He let Sheba take the take the punishment for his actions. Because God will destroy the person, especially when that person tries to hide himself with with or in the Lord's inheritance, right? He's like, oh, well, this is, this is God's city. They're not going to come find me here. Oh, this is, you know, um, it's a place where, where God's, you know, God's people are. Or, you know, Abel Beth Maka was a place where um, there, was, there was God's favor, God's blessings over it. So you can't hide in God's blessings. You can't just go hide in a place and say, oh, God's got this. God's got me. No, your sin will find you out. Okay. I said not to, not to, not to scare, but to encourage and to, you know, a reminder. We, you know, we all need that, right? And the rebellion was over. At this point, after, you know, they went back. And he went back home to Jerusalem. But the, re the reality was, at this point, even though Sheba was done and his rebellion was over, there were still clear divisions left among the men between ten tribes and Judah. So just because you deal with the, co the consequences of sin in your life to yourself doesn't mean, doesn't mean that there's not still lingering consequences. Okay? That's why repentance ourselves individually is so crucial. And that's why seeking spiritual healing through freedom, through soul care is so crucial. That's why reconciliation to those who have been affected by our sins is so crucial. Just because our sin is dealt with and we think we're done with it, there's still lingering consequences around us, even generationally, that need to get dealt with, need to get healing and wholeness and restoration brought into. Amen. And that's why we we always, you know, as a church, focus on those things, freedom and soul care. And, you know, going through these things and journeying through to find healing and wholeness, not just for ourselves, but for our families and those around us. Amen. So, again, as we close out, the three key questions. Number one, how have we rebelled against our king? Have we denied Jesus' sovereignty or his right to reign in our life? Have we devalued his identity or our identity? And have we decided to go our own way? In disobedience or division. Question number two. Are there any thoughts or sins that I've allowed in my heart or my mind because of someone else? If I become a Joab and I've let my own I've acted my own sin instead of uh getting caught up in someone else's. And three, who is that wise person that I that needs to speak into our life before we let the sins and divisive actions of others cause us or others around us harm? Or part B. Who can I be a wise woman or wise person to speak into and speak truth and peace and unity in partnership with God and his plans in this situation? Amen. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you so much for your word. Thank you, God, that you just bring nuggets every single day, every single chapter, God, of your word. You have something to speak to your people. I pray, God, you help us to keep um, ruminating on these words, God. Help us keep just meditating on your word today, God. 
bring that one verse, that one situation, that one person into our lives and our, our mind right now in the situation, God, that we can speak life into. We can speak peace. We can speak unity, God. Help us not to be Shebas. Help us not, help us not to walk in rebellion, Lord, but to surround ourselves with the right people, to speak life, to speak love, to speak wisdom, to speak truth, which we need most, God. Right now, it's bless every single person under the sound of my voice. Lord, with your wisdom, your clarity, your insight, God, help us to walk in unity with you and with the Holy Spirit to bring peace and love to your people and your kingdom. In Jesus' name, I thank you and praise you. Amen. Amen. All right. Have a great rest of your day, church. It's so good seeing you all and uh, spending this time with you. So God bless and we'll see you soon.